At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Summertime is here. Tis the season for sunshine, smiles, and carefree fun by the water. But did you know this Shangri-La season can be dangerous at the same time? Skin cancer affects more than 3 million people in the United States every year, with sun exposure being the most common factor. But don't worry, there's a simple and safe superhero to help you out. Its name is sunscreen. Protecting your skin from the villainous sun is the best line of defense. Hats, clothes, and properly applied sunscreen are vital for protection. Even then, though, no defense is perfect. Fret not, though, if skin cancer is found early enough, it can often be easily treated. Left unchecked, well, that's when the real trouble starts. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco, Chief Population Health Officer for Baptist Health. Here to give us the skin knee on skin cancer is Dr. Hina Saeed, a radiation oncologist from the Lynn Cancer Institute at Boca Raton Regional Hospital, part of Baptist Health. Welcome to the podcast, Hina. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. It's, it's a pleasure. Well, thanks again for joining us. I'm sure we're going to have a nice uh, little conversation here about skin cancer and perhaps more importantly, what we can do to prevent it. Um, and let's start with those basics. We, we we mentioned in the intro that, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So we'll get into a little bit about the skin cancer and the effects of the sun, but start with the basics. What are the general precautions one can take before they go outside for a long day in the sun? And if you would stratify that to people who actually work outdoors and even precautions people should take, maybe just through their normal daily living um, of leaving their house. I like it. Thanks so much, John, for that question. I really like it how you portrayed it, that preventing is, is the key. And after that, we talk about the diagnosis and the treatment part. But let's talk about prevention. There are some very important, several important things that people can do to protect themselves. First is going to be applying the sunscreen and really use a broad spectrum sunscreen with SPF of 30 or higher. Apply generously to all exposed areas of the skin at least 15 to 30 minutes before sun exposure. Next would be wear protective clothing if you're working outdoors or so, cover up with long sleeve shirts, long pants, wide brimmed hat, and sunglasses to shield your skin and your eyes from the harmful UV rays. Third would be seek shade. If you're going to be outside, try to stick to, um, to areas that provide some shade. Even trees are helpful. Um, any kind of um, shady spots that you can find, those tend to be better. Um, or the best possible scenario, if you can avoid, stay in the shade, especially during the peak hours of sunlight between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., where the sun's rays are strongest. Next, um, again, go for those uh, protective um, shady um, tents or SP UV protective accessories um, like a beach umbrella, canopy, or a sunshade if you're out there vacationing. So it sounds like amongst the recommendations, it's really don't just sit there and lie in the sun uh, as much as possible. But for the regular population that you just addressed uh, regarding those recommendations, a couple of quick things. So why 15 minutes before? I think when I see, and especially with my kids and my family, and we try to do this, it, what's the pushback from that? It's just I didn't think of it, think of it and I want to run out. Um, how important is that 15 minutes before one applies sunscreen before they're out in the sun? It really helps to be absorbed into the skin layers to give it maximum protection. And if I were to delve into it a little bit further, 
try to use a mineral sunscreen versus a chemical sunscreen. Some of those chemicals are not particularly very validated to be safe, especially in certain amounts. And we'll, we cannot go into too much depth regarding that, but the mineral sunscreens are best to stick with. And the, the, the idea, I'm sorry, go ahead. The idea also the 15 minutes is don't put some sunscreen in then jump in the pool of the ocean because the sunscreen would not have been absorbed and wear off. Do the, do the labels basically stipulate whether it's a mineral uh, or a chemical sunscreen or are there certain buzzwords that people could look for to determine one from so the other? The, the labels can say that, but it's very important to look at the uh, look at the backside and see if they have something like a zinc oxide or titanium oxide. Some people also want to stick with zinc or titanium, which is at least 15-ish to 20%. Um, and if you find anything else in smaller quantities or 2.5% or 3% or 5%, some weird kind of a name, typically that's a chemical sunscreen. So before we leave this subject, because we do want to get into some of the disease states and obviously more importantly to recognize early skin cancer and get it treated, um, what about makeup? A lot of women have uh, makeup that they put on that has sunscreens in it. First, is it recommended? And secondly, is it effective in your opinion? Uh, it, it depends. If the makeup has a sunscreen of SPF 30 or more, then it's effective. Some of those cosmetics have a makeup of SPF 15. Probably not the best thing. So to give you an idea, the sun protection factor, SPF, you need at least 30%, at least 30. And even an SPF of 30 only blocks around 97% of the UVB rays, while SPF 50 would block around 98%. So it's important to know that no sunscreen would give you 100% protection. Hence, the real protection comes with either staying indoors or wearing some kind of a protective clothing. If someone is in and out of their house uh, several times a day, walking to the car, going to a store, going to work, um, do you recommend they put on sunscreen as well, even if it's a minimal exposure over the course of the day? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even five, 10 minutes of um, uh, of going outside or going to work, even if your work is like so close, it's a good idea to put it on because the sun will can wreak damage. Um, and again, one last question before we move on to uh, some of the disease states. So, you know, we, we, we're South Florida is fascinating that, uh, of course, with all the sun exposure, we still have, you know, UV tanning beds, <laughs> machines around. I guess that idea of that healthy tan is kind of an oxymoron. But having said that, are these tanning beds um, safer than regular sun exposure or how would you compare them uh, compared towards yeah. risk? Again, very good question. Whether you're tanning through natural means or using UV tanning beds, both will have detrimental effects on the skin and the overall health. Um, so natural tanning is really when we're just outside and we're just being exposed to the sun's UV rays. Prolonged or excessive sun exposure without proper protection can still lead to sunburn, premature aging of the skin, and an increased risk of skin cancer. On the other hand, UV tanning beds emit those artificial UV radiation to mimic the sun's rays. These beds can emit UVA and UVB, which can damage the skin similarly to natural sun exposure. The caveat is that they can be more dangerous than natural sunlight because they can expose the skin to higher levels of UV radiation in a shorter amount of time. So regular use of those tanning beds has been linked to an increased risk of skin cancer, especially melanoma. Again, great information and a great level set. Let's move into the um, the more um, um, toxic, if we will, components of the sun and certainly uh, regarding uh, sun exposure. So let's talk about skin cancer. 
broad term, um, how do we differentiate the different kinds of skin cancers? And specifically, I guess the uh, the big buzzword would be between a melanoma and one of the skin cancers that are not melanomas. Yeah, yeah. So the, uh, when we talk about skin cancers, we generally divide them into two, two of those categories, melanoma versus a non-melanoma. So melanoma really develops from the melanocytes, which are some of the specific cells that produce the pigment melanin is considered to be the most aggressive type of skin cancer and has a higher risk of spreading to other parts of the body if not detected and treated early. It can appear as an irregular asymmetrical mole with uneven borders, varied color, and a larger size. On the other hand, non-melanoma skin cancers that includes basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma, basal cell carcinoma is most common type of skin cancer and usually grows slowly, often appearing as a shiny, pearly bump or a non-healing sore. Squamous cell carcinoma is a second most common type of skin cancer and tends to grow a little bit more quickly than the basal. Um, appears that It appears as a scaly red patch or wart-like growth and it kind of like not heals. So that's one of the clues. When, when there are, as you said, three different kinds of skin cancers that are the most common, the basal cell, the squamous cell, and the melanoma, why... I'll say, why are we more afraid of the melanomas? Why is the melanoma considered a, 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 a more dangerous cancer to get? So melanoma has a much higher propensity to migrate to the deeper layers of the skin and so on. It spreads um, very quickly to the rest of the body if not detected and treated early enough. And it has a, it has a much higher effect on mortality compared to the basal cell carcinoma or the squamous cell carcinoma. Um, when one detects a melt, well, let me put it a different way. So if someone has a mole, irregular, et cetera, uh, clearly the recommendations get it checked out. I mean, that, that's the level. Are they almost always melanoma? Are there other reasons to have, say, dark, pig, darkly pigmented skin findings that may not be a melanoma? That's a very good question. Majority of the times, those can be benign. But if something changes, if something has irregular borders or differences in color, even on that mold, or even if you have a regular mold and it has been there for the for for your for the vast majority of your life, but it starts changing in appearance, it's always a good idea to connect with a, with a professional, with a physician, and try to figure out what exactly is going on because it can become a melanoma. When, when it comes to skin cancer and sun exposure in particular, um, can you, what are we seeing? Are we seeing an increase in skin cancers? Are we, are we picking it up earlier or are younger people getting it? Are there any, any trends? It just seems like it is more prevalent than it was in the, in the past. Uh, again, can you, can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I think we, we are spending a lot more time outdoors as well, but other than that, um, it is, we, we're catching them early. We are catching them fairly early and we are treating them. We treat many skin cancers, especially the non-melanoma variety here at Lynn Cancer Institute. And uh, we, we, we find them out very quickly. Many of our patients are regular, have regular checkups with their dermatologists who are very, who can very quickly send them to us. So we are catching those very quickly. Some of our patients are regular ones. They, they are going to get skin cancers, the non-melanoma variety. And we are just finding them earlier and in younger patients too. Now, we want obviously anyone who um, might have a finding that might be skin cancer to get checked out again, maybe a primary care doctor, straight to a dermatologist, what have you, getting checked out as a paramount points. Are we seeing um, um, 
where are the patients coming to that, that let's say, get to the, the, the Lynn Cancer Institute? Um, are most of them self-checked and they want to be seen? Uh, do family members pick it up and say, you know, I, you better get it checked out? Where, how are patients mostly coming in or is there any kind of patterns? Yeah, so majority of our patients tend to, tend to find it themselves. And then they go to a dermatologist and perhaps get a biopsy done. And that's how they, they find that something is wrong. And then they hear about the options of, of treatment and then they find us. Great. So I want to get into treatments a little bit before we end the podcast. Before I do just another quick question, um, do we find any particular populations, ethnicities, genders are at a higher or lower risk of, of skin cancers? I would presume the recommendation is the same for everyone. I think, you know, uh, people of Northern European descent coming to Florida, it's always a concern. But can you speak a little bit about what might be considered higher risk populations besides just the exposure itself? Yeah, so fair skin people people with bluer eyes. Um, so dark-skinned people tend to have less of a propensity to, to get skin cancers, but really the fairer your skin are, the more the higher you're at risk for getting a sunburn, um, the higher your risk is. And it's really cumulative too. So childhood, ch- since childhood, the exposure, um, if the exposure has been significant, that all like builds up. Boy, I remember those days growing up in Long Island and going to the beach and putting baby oil on when we used to. So I guess uh, I'm paying for it now, yeah. <laughs> years later. So anyone listening, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't put yourself in the sun with baby oil. We were literally baking. Um, let's get into uh, treatments a little bit. So speak a little bit about where current treatments are for skin cancers and maybe a little bit of the evolution, for example, you know, how we might have treated people 15, 20 years ago and what the improvements have been both in the science, the medical care and the uh, technology. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, There have been significant improvements in the past 10 years regarding the treatment of skin cancers in general. So really for localized treatment, surgery and radiation are the two big options. I'll um, I'll talk about surgery very quickly and then I'll move into radiation part, but surgical techniques have improved significantly, especially the most technique, which is really looking at uh, cancer um, and the extent of the cancer layer by layer and ensuring that everything has been taken out. On the other hand, for radiation part, there are two main ways in which we treat the skin cancers. It's either via external beam treatment, versus, um, which is external radiation, or internal radiation, which is HDR breakage therapy. External beam radiation treatment has undergone significant improvement with newer technologies such as image guidance and IMRT and those fancier tools. Um, and I won't delve too much into that because majority of our patients, the way we treat them is the use of internal radiation or HDR breaky. And why do we why do we do that? What is the main attraction that um, makes people come to us? Is that this is very precise, very targeted, covering a very small area. It's non invasive. It's painless, and mm-hmm. people love it. And they get done in in a much shorter amount of time than regular external radiation or the invasive surgical technique. So obviously prevention is the best. Don't, don't, don't stay in the sun directly for long periods of time, if at all, and use sunscreens on a regular basis. Um, when you suspect you might have a skin cancer, get it checked out relatively quickly. Primary care doctor, but most likely a dermatologist would be necessary and have it checked and biopsied if necessary, and then seek therapies. And the advancements have been extreme as evidenced by um, what's being offered at the Lynn um, Cancer Institute. Um, one last question just regarding where things are going. It has to do with immunotherapies, which I know has provided great advancements in the in, in the cancer uh, world. Um, any 
information regarding immunotherapies towards melanomas or other skin cancers? Where 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 is that going? So immunotherapy has really significantly improved the survival rates and the long-term outcomes for patients with advanced melanoma. It does offer a viable treatment options for patients who previously had limited treatment options and poor prognosis. Um, the success of immunotherapy in melanoma has also sparked some interest and in research in this application to other types of skin cancers, such as the squamous and the basal. But there are some preliminary studies that have shown promising results, and there are ongoing trials investigating the use of immunotherapy for these skin cancer types. Um, really, recently, um, the success of immunotherapy has led to exploration and development of combination therapies combining immunotherapy with surgery and or radiation therapy, and these further enhance the effectiveness of treatment and overcome the resistance mechanisms. Wow, very exciting stuff. Um, well, again, there's been great information to our listeners, and especially those um, in South Florida and other uh, sun-baked areas. Um, we have so many tens of thousands of people coming to South Florida from the north, and it is one area when I meet them and I talk to them, they're not even thinking in terms of sun protection um, um, uh, as part of their daily routine. So great information. Anything anything you want to reiterate or anything um, you want to add that we missed in the conversation before we wrap up? Yeah, one one small thing that I would like people to um, kind of um, give it a little bit more thought is that when you have a small skin cancer, non-melanoma skin cancer, such as basal cell carcinoma or squamous cell carcinoma, um, in a cosmetically sensitive area, like around the nose, the eyes, or at the corners of the lip, um, do consider HDR brachytherapy because that would be helpful in treating the disease without any scars and it will be non-invasive. So like everything else, we customize the assessment and more important, the treatment plan to not just the individual, but also where the cancer is located, Correct. which is the Correct. high level of care yeah. we get, Baptist Health. Great stuff. And again, you've been a joy. And again, great source of information. I really appreciate uh, your, your um, sharing some time with us on this podcast. And um, to our listeners, if you like what you've heard on this or any of our other podcasts, please be sure to tell a friend or a family member about us. And if you have a comment or a suggestion for a future topic, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks again, Hannah. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.